0: Hello, and welcome to The Cynical Podcast, where we take deep dives into the shallow waters of today's blockbuster movies, star-studded films, and most hyped popcorn flicks. We're your hosts, Clacia, Will, and Malika, and today we're discussing The Little Things, a retro cop thriller starring Denzel Washington, Rami Malek, and Jared Leto, and directed by John Lee Hancock. The Little Things is the latest Warner Brothers film to be released simultaneously in theaters and on HBO Max.
1: We're back!
0: Woo! Did you miss us? All right, as usual, this episode will contain spoilers. So, if you haven't seen the movie and you don't want to be spoiled, turn back now. Seriously, we will be talking about every detail of this movie. Here's the summary for the little things according to Letterboxd. Deke, a burnt out Kern County deputy, teams with Baxter, a crack LAPD detective, to nab a serial killer. Deke's nose for the little things proves eerily accurate but his willingness to circumvent the rules embroils Baxter into a soul-shattering dilemma. Meanwhile, Deke must wrestle with a dark secret from his past. So, Will, Malika, this is our first movie of the new year, 2021, The Little Things. What are your first impressions?
1: My first impression overall summary of this movie is that it was bad in the worst kind of way. Like one of my favorite podcasts we've done was last Christmas where it was bad in a really fun way where it was so absurd that it was great to talk about. I would even go back and watch it just to watch how silly it was. Oh, my God. I have. This (laughs) was bad in a boring way where yeah. nothing was really happening. It kind of felt like a Law & Order SVU procedural episode that just
2: happened to be stretched over two hours. It was just Don't like fucking a... fucking SVU. Don't <laughs> fucking just SVU. That was fucking like that whatever like intent one, whatever that is. Criminal Intent? Criminal Intent. Yeah, that one. That was fucking Well, you bullshit. could take any of
1: those shows. You could take the best episode of any of those shows And if you made that episode two hours long, I'm sure it wouldn't be a great product with just a bunch of filler in between. And that's essentially what The Little Things was.
0: It was so bad. Like, it's almost impressive how you can put three Oscar winners in this movie and turn out what you turned out. Like, John Lee Hancock, what's your secret? It's crap.
1: (laughs) That was the most offensive part to me, was all three of those actors actually... I think Rami Malek is my least favorite of the three actors, but this past year I watched Oz Buyers Club for the first time, and I was completely blown away by how good it was and by how good Jared Leto was in that performance. And to take Denzel, Rami Malek, and Jared Leto and to churn out this boring nothing was impressive, as you said, Klaesia.
0: Malika, your verdict?
3: I totally agree with both of you. It was trying to be too many things, and I think that was the ultimate nail in the coffin for this movie. It wasn't really sure who it was. It didn't know what to do with its actors. You know, you had Jared Leto overacting at times, and then you had Rami Malek underacting at times, and it didn't really balance itself out. And then you've got Denzel, who always plays a good Denzel and is very charming, and he could, you know, do whatever he wants, and he's still a movie star. But you have to have what's built around him work, too, and then this movie just didn't provide.
0: It absolutely did not. And, like... To your point about the movie around it has to be good, I would like to talk about you know the director and writer of this movie, John Lee Hancock, because he has a filmography. I didn't even know I'd seen half his movies. So to me, that's a pretty much a nail in the coffin for a director, where you have no discernible style or signature that I've seen several of your movies and can never piece them together. I actually most recently watched The Founder, uh, which he directed, I believe. The, uh, the Michael Keaton starring film about like the founding of McDonald's as a franchise. And John Lee Hancock, he's got certain qualities i'm assuming that allow him to continue to get work because i think he does his camera work is fine everything about the direction and all that stuff is fine but as a movie like it maybe it's a little bit unfair to compare him to auteurs and other directors that we've talked about on this podcast like a scorsese or even like a alexander in or anyone like that but this movie is a nothing burger and honestly it's because of him if you have such high quality ingredients and the final product is crap Who's responsible for putting it all together? And if you write and direct this movie, a lot of that burden is on your shoulders.
1: Well, I think it is fair to measure him against maybe those auteur directors, because I think that's what this movie was trying to be. It was trying to have a sense of style. It has three of the premier actors of the past 20 years in it. Like it clearly was trying to achieve something more than maybe the run of the mill, um, I would say family style movie that John Lee Hancock has done in the past. The Founder, Saving Mr. Banks, and to me, the worst movie to be nominated for an Oscar in the past 20 years, The Blind Side. (laughs) Like Those are three very kind of play it safe, be maybe a family style movie. It's kind of all there, but nothing really stands out about it.
3: And more importantly they're all biopics though Will like Yeah that's a good point. They're all movies yeah. where like the source material is what he can rely on. You know, Clay said when you have all the right ingredients, and I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because I don't think the script was that strong. Oh, it was Sometimes terrible. Sometimes the characters would say something that, like, wouldn't make sense. The plot was lagging at times. We'll get into the nitty-gritty of it after, but, like, certain things happen that make no sense. So I don't know if, I think it was lacking in a lot of ways, and I don't know if whatever John Lee Hancock could do, like, I don't think he was able to write the ship. I think there was too many things working against him.
1: Totally agree. Some of the bad writing that stands out to me really felt like first draft dialogue that made it to the final production. The line that really stands out to me was when Deacon first encounters Sam Rizzoli, his old partner, and Sam Rizzoli greets him with Deacon, the man, the myth, the legend. I was like, that is maybe the most cliche line you could use to introduce an old partner. That's like something I would say to my roommate who's walking in from work like, oh, Tristan, the man, the myth, the legend. Good to see you. The The fact that that made that (laughs) to a final draft of a major production like this is kind of disgraceful.
3: And he, I think he meant it sincerely, right? Exactly. They were friends. He cared about him. Like you were probably saying it to your roommate in jest, and that was not the case here. So it definitely did not work.
0: Agreed. Yeah, and I, I like to like kind of get into the different elements of this because I feel like this movie was trying to be a lot of things, and it's essentially trying to be a David Fincher Seven type movie, right? Like all of the beats are there. You got a younger, eager cop. You have an older seasoned cop that has some sort of past. They're working to solve a case as a serial killer. It almost has like not quite a noir-esque vibe, but there is like certain elements that are seedy and, and shady that kind of add to the atmosphere. It just made me wonder, like, what are we supposed to get out of this movie? Because this movie is about two hours and seven minutes long, and I watched all two hours and seven minutes of it. And I've been thinking about it since that two hours and seven minutes, and I still don't understand what I was supposed to take away from this film. And to me, that's the most frustrating thing. Like, I can excuse a movie having poor execution, trying to get to its goal. I can excuse, you know, maybe some performances that are a little too high, a little too low, but I still don't quite understand what was the moral, the message, whatever, that i was supposed to get out of this movie. I mean, I don't know if y'all have a perspective about that, but I've been thinking about this for a full 24 hours, and I have no idea.
3: Well let's walk through all of those things that you just mentioned, right? So the young, eager cop, the old season cop trope, right? Why were they working together? I don't know about you guys, but I did not buy that right off the bat, Rami Malik, the hot shot, would be like, please, Denzel Washington, this random man I don't know, come work this case for me. There's like ego involved, there's, you know, there's a lot of other this guy doesn't know the case. Like, why would you randomly have him tag along? You'd say, Oh, thank you for that lead and you'd send him on his way. I didn't buy that. They bond very quickly, fine. Maybe Denzel Washington sees a little bit of himself in Rami Malek, but then towards the end he's willing to like do the thing he's still trying to get redemption for, which is murdering somebody, you know, I mean, he did it himself. Denzel did it himself. And then he helps Rami Malek cover it up. It just... just I didn't buy that at all. And then the next trope is this cat and mouse thing, which is very, you know, kind of attached there too with Jerry Leto's character. He's the one that gets murdered. Spoiler alert. He does toy with them a little bit. And it does take up like a good, maybe a third of the movie is him playing with them. But then there's no resolution. You don't know if he's the bad guy. You know he's not a good guy, but has he done other things? Did he deserve to die? Is that a philosophical question that you want the audience to think about? Like, What was the point there of that whole ending scene? Which I think we definitely need to unpack later on. And then, like, other things of redemption, right? You've got Denzel Washington coming in. He's grizzly. You don't know what's wrong with him. You know he's he and the coroner have done something. But not until, like, the very end do you understand what it is. But, like, what are the ramifications? He gets away with it. And, yeah, he's, like, maybe not a hot shot detective anymore, but he's still a cop. You know, maybe he lost his wife and his kids. But that could have happened anyway. They were not necessarily connected.
1: I agree. And this movie reminds me a lot of True Detective season three, the way it's framed, what we're supposed to take away from it. At least my understanding of this movie is we're supposed to see how this investigation, this murder really affected the psyche and the lives of these couple of people involved in the story. Except with the little things, we don't really get that much meat out of that meaning of the story. We don't really see how it affects their lives at all. It's just, they're so, I don't even know how to describe it. They're so nonchalant about it all, almost throughout the whole movie, even once it ends. Like... Rami Malik is a little pensive at the end of the movie, but beyond that, we don't really see how it affects their whole lives. It's just what we're supposed to take away, there's nothing to take away from it.
2: Yeah, it's all very
0: surface level, right? Like we're not getting in deeper into fully understanding or observing the impact that, you know, this line of work and their actions have taken on these two men. We just don't see it.
3: Clay, you're totally right, because I think the movie was trying to add that extra layer of, hey, these detectives get so involved in the cases that they're trying to solve. You know, you have Denzel talking to his victims, which was very off-putting and felt, like, kind of out of character all of a sudden when that happened. And, like, even at the end of the movie, when the the woman he shot, like, looks at him, or when he's in the um, hotel room and he sees the women, I don't know, it just felt really, like an afterthought I don't know if you guys agree or when he's like in the car and he sees a flashback in the uh side mirrors
0: I completely agree those flourishes just seem to take you completely out of the mood it's just
3: yeah it's like as if somebody they made the whole movie and then somebody was like you know what we need a little bit more of Denzel's backstory so that when you have this big reveal that he murdered somebody that it'll have more meat to it but I don't know it, it felt really like pasted on I mean, they tried, but I think that's part of the problem with this movie is that they tried to do too many things. It was all of those tropes that we mentioned before, and then on top of that is this, and then you've got like the bad writing in terms of the script, and you've got plot points that don't make sense. I don't know. I just don't things feel Things that like literally movie... don't even
0: go anywhere, like plot points that are introduced, and then nothing really comes of it. It just was-
3: <sighs> Exactly. And I have to mention the one plot point that just drives me bonkers is that at the very end of the movie- you have Rami Malik and he's just digging holes because he thinks that there's this woman he's who's missing is in one of these <laughs> holes that he's gonna, he's digging. He's going to magically find this woman in this massive field and they have him like digging and digging. You don't know how many holes he's dug. And then they have this like scene where the camera just like lifts up and it's an aerial shot where he just like pulls up and you see that he's dug, what was it, like 20 holes? (laughs) And we are like, at what point, Raimi, were you not like, maybe the woman is not here and this guy is just pulling my chain. Like, at what point do you just stop before you get to a place where you need to murder the guy telling you to dig the holes? Like, it just was so weird to me and it just was kind of ruined. I mean, it already it was a bad movie, but it was just like, I was giving it, I was like, okay, maybe it'll redeem itself. Maybe it'll redeem itself with like a really like surprise ending. And it just was, it made no sense. Made none, none at all.
2: I mean, for that part, at least, like he dug three holes before he killed him. And then it was after the fact where he was like, oh my God, I need to justify my murder of this guy. And I need to keep on digging. I need to find this girl so that, me killing him was justified and it wasn't. Oh, was yeah. it after? Yes, yeah, it was. It,
0: I mean, either way, it doesn't matter. It was so pointless. I
2: mean, yeah, yeah.
3: Because I just did not get that. I was like, this yeah. is so stupid. The
2: timing of that was fact very that important.
3: The
0: that you didn't get it is the, the movie's bad.
2: Also, Aaron, to your point,
1: he dug three holes and then he smacked him with a shovel to murder him. <laughs> Is three holes yeah. all it takes to send someone over the edge to murder? Like, well, it I mean, was no, three it was holes. Like, it was the three holes, plus and then the, the last uh,
2: week. And then, no, but because he was like, "You're a terrible father." Oh, like yeah. what would he your daughter say? Like, and then that's like where, Yeah, he was poking the fucking bear, and then he was like, "I got a gun and a shovel. Nah, I'm just gonna smack you with the shovel, bro. Shut the fuck up." You
1: gotta have a little bit more composure. Yeah, I mean,
2: no, but he, he was already losing his shit when he like punched the window when he was in the cop car before he left. With him to go out into the desert and dig all these holes, unbeknownst to him.
3: And why did Jared Leto have that desert? He did have the key. Oh. What was that thing? He probably That's just
0: buys point. like patches of That's land and then just like does weird shit on them. But, but he's that one like was like a,
3: a fridge mechanic or whatever. Like I don't think he can afford like huge patches of land outside of L.A. Like,
0: Listen, I'm
1: not someone who really likes to hit too hard on plot holes because with all movies, there needs to be some level of suspension of disbelief that characters can get in these situations. But... With this movie, the suspension of disbelief was too high for that final scene. Like, why the hell would Rami Malik, a cop, get into a car with someone who he is suspecting is a serial killer, drive with him without any partner, without being forced to, just willingly? Jared Leto is like, hey, you want to jump in? And he's like, Sure. <laughs> And then
0: they're going to in and out or yeah. something.
1: <laughs> and then they drive to this Rose place. Beef. They're
0: getting roast beef.
1: They drive to it's this place. Things. Jared Leto says, this is where I buried her. Why didn't he say, sweet, okay, we're going. Like, I'll come back and find you later. I'm going to show up here tomorrow with the rest of the police department and actually do a search of this place. Why would he not at any point just say, okay, I have what I need. If you're guilty, we'll find her tomorrow. There was no reason for him to continue to go on this parade that Jared Leto is taking him on, even if there was a reason like his psyche felt he needed to do it in that moment. We didn't see anything to lead us to believe that Rami Malik had to find her in that moment.
3: Right, like she was gonna die if they didn't find her. Like she was trapped in a box or something. Right. There was no like urgency. She's dead,
0: right? Or he, so he thought.
2: He just wanted to go to sleep. He just wanted to like wrap this up. <laughs> and really be, like, tired. <laughs>
0: Nap. So let's wrap this whole thing up and I can get a tight 15, do a press call. Yeah, it made no sense.
3: And I think part of that is Rami Malik's performance. I found him so stiff yes. and unrelatable. Mr. Robot. And I don't think. Totally. And Uh, like, I know he can act. Like I enjoyed Bohemian Rhapsody. Like he clearly has the chops. But in this movie, he was just so boring. And he had no chemistry on screen Had no chemistry with Denzel. He wasn't able to portray the heartache that these detectives must feel like you can't help sometimes but get emotionally invested. You know, it was another girl that got murdered because he couldn't solve the case in time, right? I get it. It's got to be exhausting emotionally, physically, mentally, but you have to show that, you know? he The one scene where you might get that is when his wife finds him at 4 a.m., he's got his head in his hands, You're like, okay, it's getting to him. If you cut out one scene, it shouldn't make a huge difference to a character's development, right? You can make small adjustments here, but if like that, we don't have any other way to know that this is getting to him beyond like you know him hitting the glass. He could just be tired. Like it wasn't right. necessarily that this was getting to him. So I think that was very problematic for me.
0: That's a great point, Malika, too, because and that scene of him looking stressed at four o'clock in the morning and comes like two thirds through the movie. That's kind of our first real indication of. Him, I guess, feeling the crunch. I know his captain had said that the feds are going to come in and take the investigation over if they can't solve it soon. But we're not really given any timeline. We just know that he's on some sort of clock. But it's so nebulous that like, I, the stakes just don't feel there. So, yeah, you shouldn't be learning two-thirds through the movie the driving force behind the main character's decisions. Like, And
1: something that really hits on this point to me is when you compare it to something like Silence of the Lambs. Obviously, it's hard to be compared to Silence of the Lambs, one of the best movies ever made. But when the framing of the plot is so similar to that of another serial killer drama, it's hard not to make the comparison. And in Silence of the Lambs, we have the same thing. There's a serial killer who hasn't been caught. There's a new victim who's missing, and now they're trying to find this serial killer before that final victim actually gets murdered by the serial killer. That's essentially the framing of both of these stories. But in Silence of the Lambs, we see the current victim. We get updates on her. We understand that there are these outside pressures from her family to find her and to save her while they can. And so they're going to any lengths possible to reach her before her ultimate fate, which we aren't sure. Is, it, is she alive or dead? In this one, I completely forgot that there was even a question of whether or not she was alive or dead, that she was missing, but we don't know if she had been murdered yet. I even forgot about the missing girl for most of the movie. Like, it didn't have that weight behind each of the plot developments that you would expect out of a, quote, psychological thriller like this movie was touting itself as. Like, with a psychological thriller, you want every plot beat to really ratchet up the tension more and more and more. There was no point in this movie where I really felt there was tension on a particular outcome. It was all very, I don't know. It wasn't thrilling. I'll just put it that way.
3: And I think they tried to do it in certain ways, but it felt like a cheap trick like the beginning we talked about right where the woman is running and I was having visceral reactions to that like that is a nightmare of mine being like driving along on an empty road and then someone attacking me that is terrifying and I almost if we weren't doing this movie for the podcast I probably would have turned the movie off right then and there I cannot handle that but you know I powered through but then they don't actually tell you what happens to her for a long time and so I think they use that to build the tension. and you're like every victim that's revealed every time there's like a new photo of somebody or whatever on the murder board. I was looking for her face. I was like, well, what happened to her? What happened to her? You thought she was important enough to open your movie with her. And then they bring her in, maybe... Halfway, two thirds of the movie, and they kind of treat her like shit. They're like, oh, give her a magazine. Oh, like, oh, you're useless to us because you happen to be tying your shoe when we brought this man in. And it was just, it was so unfair to her. I was like, well, yeah, what's she the can't
1: point? even be used as a witness because she sees him in the police department. It's like, what is the point of this character?
3: Right. It felt so cheap. And there are other times where they did that when Denzel Washington is inside Jared Leto's apartment and like didn't learn anything.
0: <laughs> like, yeah, well, or when he's he Following Jared on the highway, and then he sees him, so he, like, stops on the other side to, like, stare him down. Yeah. And they trade places. <laughs> what the hell was that about? That was, like, a CNFS and a Furious. <laughs> right. Like, what was the and that, point of that? That
3: bright green car. You don't think anyone would have noticed that before? Like, I don't know.
0: And to your point, Malika, about them trying to use different moments to build tension versus it kind of organically being built up over time, the score felt especially jarring. There were moments where the score was so overwhelming, I was getting distracted about what was happening on screen. And that should never happen. Like the score at best should be accentuating the moments that are being portrayed In the movie, it should be accentuating the tension. It should be accentuating the character moments. It should never be taking away. Yet another thing in a long list of bizarre choices, but probably the most bizarre being whatever the hell Jared Leto was doing in this movie. I... I There were points at which I was kind of enjoying his performance because it was at least the most invigorating thing happening on screen. But then he was also just like, what movie are you in, Jared? Because no one else is in the same film. Like, everyone else is in this sort of low-key noir detective movie and you're in, I don't know. Like, it was just very (laughs) upsetting to me.
1: Jared Leto, if nothing else, every role he's in, he goes for it. Like, you (laughs) gotta give him that is... Even Suicide Squad, where I think most people can agree he was completely terrible as the Joker, like he was going for it. But the problem is that doesn't really work when no one else on the screen is hamming it up with you.
0: (laughs) Not at all. You
3: can't be the only one chewing the scenery like that. It just doesn't work.
0: And also, can we talk about the fact that I don't think he's ever pictured wearing anything other than his work uniform?
2: So weird. Despite
0: the fact that we only see him at work once in the whole movie. He's literally wearing a workman's jumpsuit the entire movie. He goes to the bar. He's at a bus stop going to the strip club. He's, He's really committed to jumpsuit. his job,
3: okay? What the hell is that about? I think we should give Jared Leto the JB Smooth Award. How does everyone feel about I that?
1: Definitely the JB Smooth Award. We
0: don't even have to discuss it. <laughs> And for those of you who don't know, the J.B. Smoove Award is something that we award to the person place or thing that is just so out of place in the movie. Take it from Spider-Man Far From Home, where literally J.B. Smoove seems like he was superimposed into that film.
1: And this is super egregious because he's the main bad guy. He is a pivotal part of the plot of this movie. And he just feels so, so out of place with everyone else.
0: Usually, when we talk about movies, we try to kind of highlight something that was, you know, really, really great or stood out about it, something that was pitch perfect. And I'm really struggling with this movie to even think of what that might be. I almost feel like the things about it that were, quote unquote, good, like the cinematography and things like that, they were good on paper, but they still didn't really jive with the films. Because, like, if this is supposed to be a 90s movie, it looks a little too clean. Like... L.A. in the 90s, it just looked like, I know that's just because of the advancements in digital cameras and all that fun stuff, but it the movie just looked a little too clean. There was never any smog anywhere. Nothing looked particularly dirty. I just It took me out of it, but I guess I would have to give it up to the camera work because I'm really just grasping at straws right now. And someone <laughs> else, please
1: just- If I could please. throw out <laughs> one idea, I thought the ending was pretty good for what it wanted to do. Not that it actually achieved it, but with the whole red beret being the one thing that her family used to identify, she wore that every time she went running. And then at the end, Denzel gives Rami Malik's character the red barrette to say, look, I found this at his apartment. It's evidence that he actually was the one who did it. And then at the end, Denzel burns the remaining barrettes and the packaging in which he bought that red barrette, essentially saying he just did this to put Remy Malick's mind at ease. And now he's disposing of any evidence that he did that to put Remy's mind at ease. I kind of like that. The problem is that the rest of the movie up to that point, didn't support that being a good choice In another movie that would have been a good ending. But because so much of this movie was nonsensical, It didn't really drive home the point.
3: Also, what could potentially hurt that twist of an ending is that Denzel Washington felt a little too comfortable covering up a second a murder. Second murder. <laughs> there, you know, if he was like, he broke down in tears, or like, I don't know, showed some emotion that this was like hard for him to do, but he was going to help this young detective who fell into the same boat that he did, you know, ten years ago whenever the first murder happened. Some kind
1: of ah shit. Here we go but again. But like, oh,
3: are you like a fixer now? Like, you do exactly what to do? <laughs> like, what? And so that kind of takes away that like that moment. And I know that that was supposed to be some sort of reveal, right? Like, just like you said, Will, but it just was so weak for what we had just watched up until that moment.
0: So wait, are we walking back our own pitch perfect nomination? No, I, <laughs> I,
3: I, I don't agree that, that that's pitch perfect. But I don't think it was pitch was perfect trying. either. I was
1: just saying something that was maybe good. Maybe. You're okay. Trying. Yeah. I was looking for something. Your damnedest. But I agree. There was right, was yeah, like, it.
3: Well, then, Will, what would you change to make this movie better? If you could only pick one thing,
0: what would it be? You can't say everything. You cannot say everything. So I actually
1: have two that I think could maybe make it better. One was if we got the reveal that Denzel accidentally killed someone, Related to this investigation if we saw that earlier in the movie like maybe led with that maybe we could see more in his performance and in other parts of the movie how his involvement with the murders and the deaths of these women really took a toll on him more so than just any normal cop being involved in a murder investigation like he was an active part of these deaths and that's really weighing on him and it's the reason why mm-hmm. he feels the need to be so involved in the resolution of this case That to that's a really great point like yeah. if that if they led with that Maybe we can, like, understand why he feels he needs to be involved like he does. But because we got that at the same time as Rami killing this guy, it was just like, wait, what? More... Accidental deaths that need to be covered up <laughs> at the same time, but they're taking place at different.
0: That you're involved in again. Yeah, Denzel, you're just there. wild. He's a death magnet. It's yeah. just like you know, it's what happens.
1: And then the other thing to me, a small change that maybe would have raised the stakes more is when Denzel goes into Jared Leto's apartment. It's just like a normal apartment. Like there's like there's (laughs) nothing that stands out about it. And when you compare it to like we've been talking about other serial killer movies, seven silence of the lambs. Like when you go into the suspects domicile, it is like stand out. This guy is a fucking creep like Buffalo Bill and science of the lambs. He has moths flying around. There's bugs everywhere. He has this weird chamber in his basement. You know, as soon as Clarice goes in there, this guy's fucking weird. Same thing with seven. When we see where Kevin Spacey's character lives or any place he's been, he has all these notebooks of like crazy rants of something wrong mentally. He's off his rocker. We like see these things that indicate okay, maybe this guy, there's something wrong with him. He's our guy. In this movie, Maybe that's what they were going for, that they went into Jared Leto's apartment and nothing really stood out because he wasn't the bad guy in the end. Well, actually, we don't know. I mean, there was that
0: weird, like, loose floorboard with, like, the newspaper. Like, that was the one hint, right, of, like, so this guy's strange, right? He's keeping newspaper clippings about the murders. But wouldn't
1: that be better if, like, those newspaper clippings were plastered all over the walls of his apartment? Right,
3: yeah. And, like,
1: they were everywhere, and you walk in, and right away you see—because if this guy was— as obsessed with crime as they were trying to play off he was as just like a crime fanatic. Maybe his walls are plastered with newspaper clippings of these deaths. And like, we saw that he gets sexually aroused by images of these dead women. Maybe he has images of dead women around his apartment. It would still be the same thing because they've already told us he gets aroused by these very disturbing images. So we know that for a fact, like maybe put some more evidence of his sexual proclivity to these (laughs) images but not necessarily incriminate him on these specific deaths like you can still play both sides but it just wasn't effective of like making us more suspicious of him as a potential killer
2: i feel like that is part of the thing that made it interesting because it didn't beat you over the head of like Oh, this guy is the killer because you walk into the apartment, like you said, it's a regular apartment, but he does have all these clippings hidden underneath the floorboard and he has a police scanner that he's constantly monitoring. So it's like is he a murderer or is he a crime buff and like trying to solve a murder and is he on the tail of Denzel Washington's character? Is he finding the clues that point to but him?
3: true why would the fbi profiler show up and basically describe jared leto's character (laughs) you know it just didn't make any sense i was like you're pointing us all in that direction so i agree with will that like if that's what they wanted us to think that there's a good chance that this was the guy but they're not going to tell us for sure then i agree like ratchet it up why add a little bit of ambiguity for no reason Right. it
1: was like a tiny tiny amount of evidence that maybe this guy is but not enough to get us to the edge of like, oh, this guy really seems creepy. It was more like a, that's that's pretty odd. It's weird this guy has a police scanner. It's weird this guy has his secret box of paper clippings. But not enough to really put us on edge of thinking, oh, this definitely could be the guy. Maybe they're on to something. It's just kind of like, eh, okay. You know.
3: Well, speaking of that, random non sequitur here, but... Why did Denzel Washington almost keep the box? Did you see, like, that moment where he, like, thinks about it? don't know. What was that all about?
2: Because he's the murderer.
3: Yeah, maybe. (laughs) I think that could have been a much better ending (laughs) if
0: he was the murderer. He would have kept it for his own murder memorabilia. (laughs) But he was like, nah, that's too off the nose. (laughs) It's just weird. Yeah, I don't know.
1: (laughs) Malika, what is your fun fact related to the movie?
3: So for this one... It's funny because we've already mentioned Seven and Silence of the Lambs. Like there were definitely vibes here, you know, set in the 90s, all the tropes we talked about that this was trying to be. And I read that Denzel Washington actually turned down Brad Pitt's role in seven and has regretted it since so maybe this was his chance he read the script and he's like oh maybe I can like redeem myself and do a similar movie unfortunately this wasn't quite at the level of David Fincher's seven which is such a great movie I would highly recommend watching if you haven't so sorry Denzel you gotta try again this is not quite it
0: that's a really great point, Malika, because I did hear about Denzel having turned down the Brad Pitt role in seven and then after the movie came out he said he regretted it. So yeah, maybe that was driving him to take this part and like he was just like, I'll just take any script that's like 90s cup thriller and just <laughs> like Denzel, you should have kept it stepping, my guy, because this was not it. He's
2: like, like, oh, this is seven-two electric boogaloo. Let's do it. <laughs> well, and you can <laughs> Well and you can really see
1: the similarities in the endings between this movie and seven, because in both of these movies, you have kind of the young, righteous up and coming cop, Brad Pitt and Rami Malek, and they're on this hunt for a serial killer. And at the end of their hunt, they're kind of being strung along by the killer. And then they think they have the killer in their trap. And they're both being goaded along looking for that final piece Being pushed to the edge until they finally snap and kill the supposed killer. But when you just compare the scenes of this movie, Rami Malek, closed lip, digging a hole, turning around and smacking Jared Leto in the (laughs) face with a shovel as compared to one of the most notorious ending scenes of all time with Brad Pitt you're like what's in the box and you see him bending until he finally Spoiler alert oh, Okay that's a 25, 25 year old movie
0: I I draw <laughs> the line <laughs> I right, go ahead Will sorry is,
1: Yeah but you see in Seven Brad Pitt literally you almost see his physical spirit bending 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 until it finally breaks and he pulls the trigger and kills the serial killer whereas in this one it's such like,
2: what's, there in was hole? Hole? <laughs> <laughs> what's in the hole? the <laughs> hole? Where is she?
1: No, he's just like closed-lipped. And then all of a sudden, he just decides to turn around and smack him with a shovel. Like, there was no build-up or anticipation or thrill of the movie. Like, it wants to be a thriller.
0: <sighs> yeah.
3: And then he kicks him after he's yeah. dead. And it's like, wake up. I'm like, Ooh, I don't know if that's going to help.
0: <laughs> Though, to be fair, if I had the chance to kick Jared Leto, I probably would.
3: Care. especially in this movie
0: absolutely honestly i'm still sick of talking about this movie it's such a disappointment i was really really looking forward to it when we picked this movie we were all super hyped I about it it's gonna be really good and in the last 48 hours i felt my spirit bending until it broke as well <laughs> so maybe i do identify with Remy malik's character in this film all right
1: let's get some quick hits final thoughts malika
3: Okay, so I just wanted to mention really, really fast a couple of things that just made no sense to me. One was the line, your dick is as hard as Chinese arithmetic. I don't know <laughs> if that is if saying you guys are familiar with. That felt very <laughs> weird to me.
0: I've um, never heard that in my life. <laughs>
3: The second thing is, there's a point where Denzel is chewing either gum or like a seed or something, and then he just spits it out, and I was like, but it's an active crime scene, and that bothered me a lot, because you don't do that if you're a seasoned cop, you should know better. And lastly, and I can't believe we haven't talked about this, is that the movie's called The Little Things, and Denzel even says, you know, it's the little things, it's the little things. they don't end up mattering at all. Like, they make you concentrate on roast beef and a couple other little details, but that doesn't help anybody solve a crime. Nothing gets resolved. So what was the point of having that in the movie and also naming it the little things when that was totally insignificant?
0: Like, I think you put more thought into this than John Lee Hancock <laughs> ever did. Uh, you're completely Probably. right. You're completely right. The movie should have been titled, None of This Fucking Matters, because apparently you could just cover up murder and get away with it. That should be the name of the movie.
3: Yeah, I think that's more accurate.
1: I think even with my suggestion, if they led or opened with the fact that Denzel was involved in a death related to the same case earlier in the movie that maybe it would have hit home that line of it's the little things that get you caught even more because when he says that to Rami Malek, we know it actually comes from his personal experience of having to cover up evidence of his involvement in one of the deaths. So he has to look for those little things, but like, we get the line about the it's the little things that get you caught at the same time as finding out that Rami Malek is involved in the murder of a suspect at the same time as finding out Denzel Washington was involved in the death of one of the victims. And so like all that all at the same time, there's no buildup or payoff. It's just like,
0: what? They're just like throwing little darts at you. It's like, and another one, and another one, and another one. It's like, what? Yeah. All right. So... Ultimately, we've talked about this for a while. We've stewed on it. What are your guys' ratings for the little things? Um, If you'd like, I could start. I would give this movie 2.25 out of 5 green sports cars. And honestly, the 2.25 is mostly because this is a competently made movie, but the acting is not great, the plot is terrible. There's basically no actual suspense in this suspenseful thriller. And I hate everybody at the end. So I think I'm being pretty generous, all things told.
3: I'm going to give this one and a half out of five folded slices of pizza because, I don't know, it just didn't work for me at all. I was Denzel was the only thing that was reliable and decent to me. And he just plays himself, you know? And that's not enough to give more than one and a
0: half stars.
1: Yeah, I will give one out of five Red Berets. There was no redeeming quality to this movie to me.
0: Harsh indictment, wouldn't you say?
1: No. I I don't think it's harsh. I think it's totally
2: I would give it two out of five empty holes.
1: We're like two out of 25. that's That's how many he does. Yeah, right.
2: Yeah, it just left me angry And, like, had way more questions of what they were thinking when they made this movie than anything else.
0: (laughs) I felt bad that I had Aaron watch this movie. Like, that's how bad this movie is. (laughs) I felt bad that I invited him into this.
3: You did this to me! Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> All
0: right, folks. I think that's it for this episode of The Little Things. A disappointing film that had elements that should have made it a lot better than it was. Um, but you know, ultimately, I am looking forward to more of these HBO Max slash theater releases because it's going to give us the opportunity to see a lot more new films in 2021. So, and with that, we will be doing more of these episodes. So keep an eye out. Hopefully, regularly, we'll keep our fingers crossed there, getting some episodes out to you every few weeks. Um, and this has been. Clacier, Will, and Malika, plus our wonderful producer, Aaron, aka My ooh, Boom. Ooh. Hello. Uh, <laughs> so follow us at Cynical Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Keep an eye out for any updates about new episodes, things like that. And you can follow our wonderful sound producer at ak.audio on Instagram. Till next time, thanks. Bye. 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 Deuces.